Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to deliver some hard justice. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Brace for Impact. I am the impact player of Wrestle Attic Radio, Nate the Effing Great. And it's time to talk about another show. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be making a little bit of history here because not only will there be a review, not only am I going to be giving predictions as to what I think is going to happen at this weekend's overdrive for Impact Wrestling. But I'm also going to be making an announcement at the end of the show in regards to the Bound for Glory show that will take place in a couple of weeks during Thanksgiving week. So definitely tune into that, you guys. It will be a can't-miss announcement. I'm very excited to talk about it. But we're going to be talking right now about... Hard Justice, which took place on August 13th in 2006 with 35,000 buy rates on pay-per-view, 900 in attendance. Trust me when I say this, that in a couple weeks, that is going to be a almost mere afterthought, to be honest. But it happens in Orlando, Florida, and like I said... It's all about hard justice. Now, a lot of people will know that hard justice does get a bit more of an interesting name change as time goes on. It actually becomes hardcore justice, which is honestly an interesting name, but actually makes more sense than just hard justice. Uh, Some of the pay-per-view pre-show matches were Ron Killings defeating A1, and then Sanjay Dunt and Cassie Riley defeated Jimmy Jacobs and El Diablo. Kind of looked a little bit on El Diablo's page, or at least the Wikipedia deal for it. Doesn't seem like they'd said too much about El Diablo. So I can't really say too much about that. But of course, everybody knows Jimmy Jacobs, who's been kind of up and down. But I th- believe the last time he, I checked... He was still working in Impact Wrestling and TNA as a behind-the-screen writer, I want to say. He was on an absence for a while, but now I think he's back in the the uh, mix. But who knows at this point. So the opening promo for this show is interesting to say the least. But it is one of those ones that really does make me kind of sit and think. Because they talk about how between good and evil, evil definitely does find its way to leak into uh, the hero. It's kind of one of those things where the hero does kind of evolve into that next greater evil. It's really a unique promo, but it's also kind of an eye-opening one where it's like, hmm. In a weird way, they're actually right about that. But that is neither here nor there. We move on to the first matchup here, in which it is Eric Young taking on Johnny Devine. Now, I told you guys that Team Canada split up at Victory Road. Well, this is Eric Young's basically first match to really prove himself as a go-to guy that Jim Cornette can rely on. Rely on... It may indeed happen. Jim Cornette basically said, you know, can you sell pay-per-views? Can you put on good matches? Can you get the fans behind you? And basically, that's his criteria from what I remember in his anniversary deal his, as a segment. So that's essentially what he wants Eric Young to do by taking on Johnny Devine here. Also mention the fact that it's forward to Canada. Teammates. So it is kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, this is kind of interesting. But Johnny Devine started pairing up with Alex Shelley and Kevin Nash. So he's a part of the paparazzi production. So he's got the camera. He's got that set up. And he's ready to fight Eric Young. This... Honestly, is one of the greatest babyface deals in wrestling here because Eric Young literally enters into the arena when his music plays. 
he enters in. He's got people cheering for him. They got people chanting, don't fire Eric, don't fire Eric, don't fire Eric. Then there comes a point where he's marching around the ring with all these fans. And then he stops and he's basically almost individually trying to tell the fans, hey, you know, you got to have my back. You got my back. I'll I'll have your back. Doing the whole uh, eyes on eyes finger gesture that they have. Uh, Johnny Devine basically says that his worst nightmare is going to come true because he is going to beat Eric Young. Then Eric Young is going to be fired. So kind of an interesting way to set this up. But Giant Vines being a dick of a heel, so Eric Young better be kicking his butt. So they do a weird trade-off deal where they just poke each other's eyes. And I thought that was kind of unique, but at the same time, a little bit on the annoying side. Divine, he hits some knees to the corner. Almost like how uh, Zelina Vega, Andrade El Idolo do the whole knee to the bottom half of the corner deal. That's what he did to Eric Young. We get a snapmare and then multiple knee drops by uh, Giant Divine. Kind of surprising. Uh, Johnny leaps out of the corner and he hits a reverse DDT onto Eric Young, which caught me by surprise. Not the first time you're going to see that and won't be the last. We, during the matchup, we see these little puffs of smoke and all these little puffs of just random white stuff falling from the ceiling. Well, it turns out that when they did their pyro, one of the fire deals actually caught fire in the center beam, I want to say it was. So they're trying to put that out. While that's happening, Eric Young and Giant Devon are fighting each other, and it's kind of like the weird deal where they're just in a land of fog and mist, and they're just not quite getting anywhere from that. So, as time goes on, they definitely do have moments where you can kind of see them and where you can't. Fans were in the crowd chanting, you can't see us, you can't see us. And, yeah, for the most part, they couldn't really see who was online, who was relevant, and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, though, it was a pretty good result. We see uh, fans are chanting, you can't, uh, you can't see as I rated that. So Eric Young is able to hit a powerbomb, a discus clothesline. He does a Ric Flair-style flip over the rope deal. And then he's able to hit Giant Vine with a diving elbow drop. He counters an Inseguri, and then Eric Young... Does a wheelbarrow neckbreaker, the young blood uh, neckbreaker, I believe is what it was called. I still think it's called that. But that's how Eric Young picks up the victory. He's hitting that uh, young blood neckbreaker for the win. In all honesty, guys, I had to give this matchup a C. And it's slowly, very closely up to that B point. But this matchup, I think, really got hurt by the whole fire extinguisher deal. So that's why it's kind of a lower tier deal. I really think that they could have done more with uh, Eric Young, Giant Divine, all the matches going on. But in the end, it was the right outcome. And Eric Young is getting more notoriety as time goes on. So maybe it did a better job than what I thought it was. So as Eric Young is celebrating his victory... We see Earl Hebner comes in and he is attacking referee Slick Johnson, basically choking him out and trying to basically get his job back. But obviously, security take him away. And that is essentially the segment for that. They promoted this four way tag match for the number one contendership for the NWA Tag Team titles, in which it was going to be America's Most Wanted, Kaz and Bentley versus the Naturals versus the James Gang. I say was. That unfortunately got canceled due to the fact that they were not feeling comfortable 
with having people in the building when their uh, building was basically on fire. So that makes perfect sense. So they are outside of the arena. They're kind of talking about the some of the matches, run them down a little bit. And during this whole deal, we get a segment with Eric Young. Basically, he's stating that, yes, he's in the right direction. He's got some got a win under his deal. Uh, Don West made this joke about how he didn't believe that the match counted because of the whole fire incident. And Eric Young throughout the whole deal is just basically saying, like, it was not my fault with the fire. Not my fault at all. It wasn't my plan. Um, so we see Eric Young's, you know, babyface deal just continue to grow and grow and grow. It's actually really cool. Um, so we have also Monty Brown interviewed. And he is running down Samoa Joe and Rhino. He's basically calling Rhino Herbivore. He calls Samoa Joe Fat Joe, as well as a hippophant. For those of you that are curious, a hippophant is a cross between a hippopotamus and an elephant. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, God, they, they have just destroyed Monty Brown. Unless it's a situation where they were saying, hey, Monty Brown can get some free range when it comes to hit, creating his own uh his own promos then maybe have him go back to a scripted deal until he feels more confident but essentially that is what kind of happened with that and Monty Brown has just fallen from grace that makes me so sad we get uh, the franchise Shane Douglas he's talking to the naturals basically stating you know get ready for your big match and I'm blah blah but obviously like I said the four way match was cancelled so, from there, they started escorting people back into the arena because everything was fine. We see uh, JB talking to Giant Divine, Alex Shelley, and Kevin Nash, who is in a wheelchair with a neck brace on. They were showcasing these kind of special training videos with Kevin Nash where he's basically training against his match with Chris Sabin, but they claim that Kevin Nash, unfortunately, due to an injury where they showed a promo of it, where he was doing like this random kind of splash. Um, but obviously that did not work out in his favor. So we go from having Kevin Nash and Chris Sabin to Alex Shelley versus Chris Sabin. And when I heard about this, I was like, Okay, this should be kind of nice. So it's Chris Saban versus Alex Shelley, and the winner goes on to face the X Division champion at the point of their choosing. I don't know what championships I'm working with right now. Unless they were to just take the entirety of the, I think it was like the SmackDown roster, and then just make it better. But anyway. Um... So, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin to get a nice back and forth. Sabin goes for a jackknife, but instead just drop kicks Shelley. Shelley with a bulldog. He hits a lion salt. Uh, Sabin hits a hip toss onto the outside. And then he hits a suicide dive. I thought that was actually a really cool move. Shelley does the uh, crotch claw where he just grabs dudes. Uh, you know. I'm pretty sure you can figure that out. Um, Chris Saban hits a spin kick to the gut, drop kick, diving leg drop, a haluva kick. Shelly hits a top rope inverted atomic drop, and then a Sincara like armbar. What I mean by that is that the old Sincara Mystico used to have this move where he does like a spinning hurricane run to his opponent, and then he's able to just grab his opponent. They both go down, but Sincara has his arm locked in for an arm. That's essentially what Alex Shelly did. Uh, Saban hits his hesitation drop kick, and then while Alex Shelley is in the corner, kind of figuring out some of his career choices, I hear that, um, I think it was mainly uh, Rebecca wanted to 
seeing me, if she wanted to talk to me or something like that. And, um, where's it going with this? Oh, right, right, right. So, so while Alex Shelley is going into the tree of woe, Saban's able to grab him, hit him with a lift and cutter. Alex Shelley is able to hit the backstabber while he's, while Saban's in the ropes. Then he hits an air raid crash. We see Nash throw in a chair, but then Chris Saban drop kicks the chair into Shelley's face and then hits the cradle shock for the victory here. This matchup, I gave a C. Chris Saban getting a pretty interesting win, but I feel like this matchup was just way too short and it was just not exactly something that I was, I thought was well, just going to be awesome. It just ended up being kind of meh, which is, in all honesty, kind of what some of these matches are. Um, but yeah, Chris Saban gets to go on to face the X Division champion, whether that is um, Senshi, Jay Lethal, or Petey Williams. Kind of figure that out tonight. They go backstage, and James Mitchell is talking about Runt and how he should have not messed with Abyss. And shouldn't be taking any advice from Raven. Basically, what ended up happening was that Team 3D left Runt to kind of fend for himself, but also to kind of hold down the fort. And they basically told him, you know, we're going to go and we're going to ensure that we get better. And we're going to basically, you know, kind of better ourselves to be ready for the NWA tag team title shot that we are owed. And Runt kind of does the opposite of what he's asked. He goes after the Monster Abyss because I think Runt wanted a better vengeance after Victory Road. So that builds up to this matchup here, which is Runt versus Abyss. Uh, Runt is rocking a little bit of classic uh, Dudley attire. He's wearing black pants he's wearing this kind of tie-dye shirt he's wearing a he has like a mohawk so he looks like classic dudley ecw deal and i really liked that little touch i thought that was actually really cool uh abyss goes for a press slam but he gets countered runt hits not one but two headbutts to the gut and then he tries to go for a cross body but that literally is like walking into a brick wall abyss tosses runt into the crowd uh thankfully it didn't seem like he got thrown back into the ring where his head hit the steel steps something for that um uh runt counters the press again he hits an acid drop onto the guardrail on the outside we see them pan over to raven he's kind of watching this on Runt brings in some chairs. Abyss takes one of the chairs and wedges it into the corner. Runt goes for a charge on Abyss, but Abyss sidesteps it. Runt does the deal where he leaps up like a cruiserweight and then falls back into place, in which the in which horror, unfortunate. Soul gets thrown into the uh, ring bell again. But we see Runt get thrown into the chair the second time around. Abyss does a corner splash. Runt then uses Abyss's chain to kind of knock him down from the top rope, and then he hits a double foot stomp. We get a low blow and then an astro drop on Runt for a two count. Abyss then tosses Runt into, into into Slick, and then he just splashes him. We get a shock treatment by Abyss. Bag is brought out, and it's thumbtacks again. Tacks are laid out. Everything's set up. Uh, Runt gets curb stomped into the tacks, to which I was like, oh, no. That's not going to end well, especially if he is, gets striked in the eye. But thankfully, they were working well with each other, and it did not happen. Um, 
runs, he gets fired up, but he just gets pressed into the tax. We see the Monster Abyss hit a black hole slam onto the tax for the win. Abyss wins. So, I honestly gave this one a B because it is a short match, but it also is one that tells a lot of character development. We have Runtu's coming in. He wants to fight the biggest dog there, and he believes that's Abyss. Abyss is literally just there to munch on this guy who apparently some people don't exactly know who it is, but literally then we see uh, Raven at the end of it. He does a pose for Abyss and Abyss kind of looks on like, Oh, and that's kind of the end of that segment. So, we move on into the the next segment, actually, will be Rhino. Rhino says that he is ready to fight and that he didn't come to watch the building burn. He came to be the one to destroy the building. In reference, he's talking to is the Falls Count Anywhere match, which Rhino is facing Monty Brown, who is also facing Samoa Joe. A lot of you might have remembered that I did mention that Monty Brown and Rhino had a no contest at Victory Road. It's kind of evolved since then. Basically, Samoa Joe has gotten his name in the mixture, and he's fighting off in this matchup as well. And literally, management was like, you know what? You guys, I know, are going to go crazy, so let's make a false count anywhere. To which Rhino is filled with glee. Because he talks about some of the possibilities, like he could slam somebody's head in the announce table. He could rhino driver somebody on the outside. He can gore somebody through some tables on the outside. Stuff like that. Basically relishing at the idea of just literally going in and kicking some ass. We get a brawl between these three guys to start. Rhino dives onto Monty Brown. Joe does a suicide dive to Rhino. And then Brown takes a trash can and just... Hits everybody with it. He's going crazy. Joe then sets a brown into the guardrail uh, with a chair. And then he hits a face wash onto Monty Brown. We see Ryan break out a kendo stick. And he is just beating down on Samoa Joe in the crowd. Joe does a, another face wash, but this time it's to Rhino. And then when Joe comes in and he goes crazy, he boots Rhino into the wall. Quite a bit of that happening. Brown dives on to over the... Oh, he does a dive over the rail and hits everyone, which I thought that was the most athletic thing I've seen him do in quite some time. Rhino throws everybody into the wall. Uh, practically including himself. He was going to go for a gore, but then he just hit himself into that wall. We get a lot of fighting in the crowd. Joe uses an umbrella on Rhino. We see weapons are being tossed into each other. Uh, they're being also utilized by some of the fans. Uh, and they're even taking some of the fans' weapons and going crazy with them. Rhino hits a belly-to-belly -belly on Joe on the ramp. He's going for a gore, but Brown breaks it up by hitting a butterfly suplex on the rhino on the ramp. And then we see Monty Brown hit a dropkick, and to which I'm like, what the absolute hell was that? And that was awesome. Joe hits an inverted atomic drop, and then a kick. And then he hits the running zenton with the trash can lid onto Brown. Rhino hits a spine buster onto Joe, onto the chair. Joe hits a rolling powerbomb. Onto Rhino, onto the chair. Brown sets up a table um, by the rampway. Brown hits a neckbreaker onto the rampway to Samoa Joe. Rhino sets up a table, two of them actually, against the wall of the ramp. Rhino goes for the gore onto Brown. Brown sidesteps him, and then he goes through both the tables. Rhino does. 
Monty Brown is looking at this. He's relishing. He's thinking, I got this. I got this. But Joe comes in. He hits an STO onto the... Uh, onto the... Onto Monty Brown. Sending them both through the table. Joe is able to pin him and continue his undefeated streak. Honestly, I gave this one an A because of the fact that it was a very hardcore matchup. But also because of the fact that everybody got their chance to shine. Everybody had their chance to do some crazy wild antics. And everybody had a chance to literally be like, hey, I'm the head dog. No, I'm the head dog. No, I'm the head dog. Just having those kind of moments was great. Joe says that he is just ready to fight. And then he would do something like this again if these guys were up to it. So we get Larry Zabisco. And he basically is stating that he doesn't know what's going on with uh, Earl Hebner and why he's here. And then JB asks some questions about Slamversary controversy, and he gets a little defensive about that. Slick Johnson, he comes back and he is accusing Larry for the attack. Larry Zabisco literally is like, oh, you're trying to be the, the main referee. You're trying to be the you know, senior official, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm looking to find a way to get you fired. To which I'm like, oh, okay then. That was a thing. We move on. Next up is... Well, no. Oh, no. Okay. So, it's Gail Kim versus Serelda. The only reason why I'm saying oh, no, is because this match left me so disappointed. And it also left me very... I don't know what else to say other than disappointed. It's amazing watching this. So, what we have here is that Serelda attacked Gale at Slamversary. And AJ and Daniels, they literally are like, well, if you want to know who Serelda is, ask her. Or better yet, ask Gale. And Gale kind of gives a little bit of an explanation on impact, but not enough to make this matchup that personal, in my opinion. So we get the match. Gale Kim attacks early. Sorelda is able to hit a shoulder, a corner splash, press, and then an elbow drop. Gale does an arm deal on the rope. Oh, a top rope like a uh, arm drag deal, then she does, uh, she drops the knee, mounted punches, a tarantula, diving leg drop, misses a crossbody, Shrelda hits some clotheslines and a front slam, uh, looks like she's gonna finish her off with a choke slam, but Gail Kim counters with a sleeper, Zerelda backs Gail up into the corner to kind of break it up, but Gail kind of holds on to the ropes, and Gail hits a Brock uh, rockbuster, the blockbuster on Serelda for the win. This matchup lasted less than five minutes. That's sad. And I gave this one a D because I felt like D for disservice and D for disgrace. I do not blame the women for this. I blame whoever set up this matchup and thought they only needed about five minutes to do stuff when they could have done more. They could have built up some of these things. They could have done something different with these things. It just, it just was frustrating. So JB is backstage talking with Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner can't understand why Sting chose Christian Cage, especially considering the fact that Christian Cage was the former world champion. And there comes a point where Scott Steiner says that he comes from a highly decorated university and he has to dumb himself down for the audience. And then to follow it up, he calls Christian Canadian white trash. Just, it, it just made me laugh. Scott Steiner's a gem. He's great. So we go into the next matchup, which is the X Division Championship three-way Featuring P.D. Williams versus Jay Lethal versus Senshi. Now, originally this matchup was going to be P.D. Williams versus Senshi, but because of Jay Lethal's performance in the 
world title match against Jeff Jarrett, but also his performance in the number one contenders match where it was a five-way sudden death deal and Petey Williams won it. But during the match, Jay Lethal hit a multitude of headbutts on there. He showed resiliency. He showed resolve. Management said, you know what? We're adding him into the mix. And I'm so glad that they did. Everybody gets an exchange in the offense early going. P. Williams dives onto Lethal on the outside with a Hurricane Rana. Senshi does this kind of like cartwheel dive onto Williams and Lethal. Thought that was actually kind of cool. Excuse me. We get a reversal of the Irish Whip by Senshi to P. Williams, and he does like a front wheel roll kick onto P. Williams. Thought that was kind of nice. Lethal misses a moonsault. P.D. Williams is able to lock in a submission move until Senshi stops it. Senshi and P.D. Williams, they kind of work together on Jay Lethal just a little bit uh, up to the point where Senshi is distracting the referee while P.D. Williams does the Oh Canada. Then they start fighting each other. Senshi does some nice kicks. Lethal is able to hit a dual missile drop kick. He does a hip toss to Senshi, a scoop slam to Petey Williams, but then he's able to do a cartwheel drop kick onto both of them. A neck breaker and a bridging suplex to Senshi. We see a Hurricane Rana and a side Russian leg sweep by Petey Williams to Lethal. We get some roll-ups from everybody for days. Then after that, we see Lethal hit a knee shot. And then a gut wrench suplex onto Senshi, which I thought that was actually really, really nice. Petey Williams locks in a sharpshooter onto Jay Lethal. But Senshi comes in and hits a back kick to break it up. We get a dragon suplex by Lethal to Senshi. You think like, oh, well, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. Uh, nope, he beats down Petey Williams a little bit. Goes to the top, misses a diving headbutt, and then... Petey Williams is able to hit the Canadian Destroyer onto Lethal. And it seems like it's going to be for the win, but Senshi, in the corner of Petey Williams' eye, hits a shotgun dropkick and pins Lethal for the win to retain. Senshi and Petey Williams argue with each other like a couple of bickering children. Because why not? I gave this matchup a B. I thought that this was not one of the better exhibition title matches that I've seen in the past. But it is one worth talking about. Because I really enjoyed the chemistry that these three brought in. I love the character work that they brought in. But I also really thought it would be kind of cool to put them in like three different rosters. Or three different years. Stuff like that. But it wasn't really meant, meant to be. So... Moving on from there, we have Conan backstage talking to LAX. Well, talking about LAX and AJ Styles and Daniels, basically stating that those two had everything handed over to them, and LAX has had to earn everything else that they've got. That's essentially what it was. We go into the next match, which is the NWA World Tag Team Championship, in which LAX challenges Christopher Daniels, and AJ Styles. Now, this matchup actually came out in a very unique circumstance. AJ and Daniels knew that there were going to be a lot of tag teams that were going to challenge for him, whether it was going to be somebody from in the company or not within the company. So they had these open contracts that were made for everyone. Conan was like, well, where's my art contract? He showed the contract to Conan. He looks at it. He sticks... Homicide and Hernandez on AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Uh, AJ Styles eats a brutal gringo killer in this. It literally looks like his neck got broke. And we found out that the crucifix bomb that Hernandez does is called the Border Toss. So he does that to Daniels. And they beat down these guys so bad to the point where Daniels is just bloodied up. They grab the contract take some of the blood off of Daniels and write LAX on there to signify that they want their title shot at this event. So 
that is exactly what they got. They got the tag team title shot that they have felt like they've owned. And they feel like they've earned. So we start off with Christopher Daniels and Hernandez. And these two guys really kind of work off each other pretty well. Hernandez is showcasing his power moves. Daniels is trying to do the same thing, but he's instead going to the fast pace, uh, quicken deal, where he's hitting a Hurricane Rana and a drop kick to knock him out of the ring. Homicide and Hernandez, they get in the ring, and they're just doing like these fast pace deals between the two of them. Hurricane Rana by Homicide to Styles. Styles hits a drop kick to uh, Hernandez. A back suplex clothesline by AJ Styles and Daniels to Homicide. I really love that tag team movie. It looks it looks great. A hip toss slam and knee drop by AJ Styles. We see Homicide hitting a cutter onto AJ into the ropes. Or at least a variation of it. A low uh, double corner. Oh, LAX hitting a double corner splash tag move. A half and half by Hernandez to Styles. I was not expecting Hernandez to break out a technical move. I thought that was kind of cool. Homicide hits a suicide dive helo from the middle rope to AJ. Those of you that might not know what a helo is, when they dive out, they may end up having other parts of their body go ahead of them before landing. One of those things that usually called is called a helo, which is basically like a front flip. And while you're in the air. So, Homicide essentially did that and he looked great. We see AJ Styles hitting a suplex onto Homicide into the ropes, which will allow Daniels to make the tag, and he's a house of fire. It's an acai moonsault, not once but twice on Hernandez during the matchup. Excuse me. Hernandez is able to hit a dive, and then AJ's was like, I'm in on the party, does a dive of his own. We get a reverse face buster to Homicide, near three count. The LAX Bulldog, which is basically almost like the Skyner Bulldog, but LAX version, hit that onto Daniels. We get a Tower of Doom spot, in which Hernandez grabs AJ, who's in a powerbomb position. Looks like he's going to work on the next match, but in the end, we see a, excuse me, we see Hernandez hitting a powerbomb onto Styles, who also was superplexing Homicide. Hernandez hits a Cracker Jack onto Daniels, Styles hits the inverted DDT uh, springboard onto Hernandez, Homicide does a gringo cutter to ADS Styles. Daniels hits a blue thunderbomb to Homicide. A Pele kick to Hernandez. Conan crotches AJ. And Elliot is attempted to do a double finisher, but the champs are able to counter the mat the deal. Homicide is tossed out by accident by Hernandez. And after a high-low combination, Hernandez gets pinned in this matchup. AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels, they retain. In all honesty, this was match of the night. This was an A-quality matchup. I really enjoyed the chemistry between these two teams. They really worked off of each other very well. And it is now reaching a point where it's like, well, what are they going to do next to really get me interested and keep me invested? Well, only time will tell. You do a little bit of a no-surrender hype package before going into a segment with Christian Cage, who blames Jeff Jarrett, believes that Jeff Jarrett caused the fire, that way he wouldn't have to face Sting, calls out Scott Steiner, basically stating, you know, come at me, bro, and then Sting deserves the win, and that there was going to be a new era in TNA happening tonight. Boy, was he right. Um... We go into the main event, which is the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Sting versus Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Scott Steiner's wearing a Gut Ecstasy t-shirt, because why not at this point? Um, Sting is going for some Scorpion Deathlocks early. He tries to go for it twice, but, he just, uh, but Jeff Jarrett is able to 
fight it off. These guys fight at ringside, and then they fight into the crowd. Jeff Jarrett gets thrown into a wall. They fight into the crowd some more. Scott gets put in a chair on almost like a timeout by the referee. Uh, but he utilizes that chair onto Sting's leg while the referee is distracted by Cage. And then he hits a belly-to-belly -belly suplex onto Cage on the outside. Jeff Jarrett sweeping the leg, and he's working on the leg, sets him up, and he locks in the figure four to Sting. Sting's able to turn over Jeff, and he counters it into a scorpion death lock. Uh, we see Cage attack Scott Steiner. Cage is thrown out by referee. Uh, we see this weird deal in which basically the referee is trying to take out Scott. Jeff Jarrett has the belt, but Sting grabs the belt and he clocks Jeff Jarrett with it. So there's some confusion about that. And then we see... Excuse me. We see... Uh, a chair shot, but, oh gosh. We see Sting get hit in the back of the chair with a chair comet again, but this time around, unfortunately, somebody didn't have that much of the way of strength because they got beaten up. Um, we see uh, Christian Cage get chair shot in on Jeff. Jeff Jarrett is down, one, two, kick out. We see Cage is sent away, Scott Steiner sent away. Jeff locks in the Scorpion to Sting. Sting locks it in, and then Jeff Jarrett grabs the ropes to kind of help him be safe. And then we see, um, Sting hit a stinger splash onto the referee by accident. Jeff Jarrett hits the stroke onto Sting. And they're beaten down on Sting, but Christian Cage is able to even the odds. And he even takes out everybody except Sting. Christian Cage grabs what was a remaining of the guitar for Jeff Jarrett. But seems like Sting is ready to move on to the next part of his life. Well, it seems like in current day deal, but Sting is looking like he's about to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. The uh, long and ready to go. He's got everything going, and in the end, though, Christian Cage turns heel on Sting and costs him the end the World Heavyweight Championship. So something to kind of think in there. Jeff Jarrett retains, and that is the matchup. I gave this one a C, but it's very close to a D, due to the fact that there is nothing really happening in here. Maybe just hearing kids giggling at the local park. You maybe think that maybe there's something good coming this way, something wonderful this way comes, but I'll have to kind of wait and see. Um... Yeah, I gave this matchup like a C. It was just very average. It was just nothing special about this matchup. Nothing too whimsical, I guess you could say. Final grading for this is a B. But it would be very close to a C. There's some matches on here that I was very disappointed in. Some that held up and some that actually exceeded my expectations, which was the NWA World Tag Team title match. I thought that these guys... Literally killed it, but the main event definitely kind of brought it down, unfortunately. Uh, some of the highlights from the night were the tag team title match, like I said before. Triple threat for the X Division title was great. And that's about all I can think of as far as that goes. So let's discuss Impact Overdrive. It's a show that's going to be taking place on their... Uh, YouTube channel and there's quite a few very very interesting matches on 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 this card here 
And it mainly has to do with the fact that the main event is Josh Alexander versus Frankie Kazarian, which, you know what? I'm going to kind of leave that one be till the very end. But this is Kazarian, who won the X Division title at Bound for Glory, that he's cashing in option C, which means he vacates the X Division title, but in return he gets a shot at the Impact World title shot. So, a lot of things are actually really happening in this deal. And I just found a matchup that was added. Okay. So, let's go right into talking about these matches here. We have Jordan Grace versus Masha Slamovich in a last knockout standing for the Impact Knockouts World Championship. So, at Bound for Glory, Grace and Slamovich tore the house down in obviously one of the best women's matches in the last decade. I dare anybody to fight me on that. They did an absolutely fantastic job, and now they're going to try and kill it again. So, there are two ways that they can go about this. They can either have Jordan Grace win this and just continue her reign, but I'm going with the latter, in which I think it's going to be uh, Masha Slamovich gained the victory here, and she is going to be having this kind of heelish run for a while, and that's going to build into what I think is going to be the next big thing, and in all honesty, it kind of ties into this next matchup, which is Mickey James versus Taylor Wilde in a career-threatening matchup. If Mickey James loses, she's going to retire from in-ring competition. So, what I think is going to happen is I think Mickey James is going to defeat Taylor Wilde. I think that she's going to challenge Masha Slamovich. And this is going to be the ultimate test for Mickey. Can she hang with the crowd? Can she hang with everybody else? We get that kind of answered here. Um, honestly, I really think that Mickey should go for maybe one more year for calling it good, but that is just me. This is also one of those things where I recognize that they did this in a 2K game, uh, but they didn't have the balls to do it in WWE properly, so TNA is like, okay, we're going we're gonna to do it, but we're also going to make it better. In honesty, I think they've been doing a damn good job of it. We have Bully Ray taking on Moose in a tables match. I feel like Bully Ray is going to pick up the victory here. It just makes sense. Team 3D, tables, plus I don't think Ray has won in a while. The same could be said about Moose. Between the two, give it to Ray. We have the Death Dolls, which is Jessica, Ty Valkyrie, and or Rosemary taking on uh, Savannah Evans and Tasha Steeles. This will be an interesting matchup, to say the least, because Savannah and Tasha, they've been the tag team champions before, if I'm not mistaken. But looks like they're getting back into the spirit of things again. So looking forward to seeing these two, these, uh, two teams just tearing it down for the Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Championships. Speaking of Tag Team Championships, we have the Impact World Tag Team Championship in which Heath Slater, Heath and Rhino, not Heath Slater, just Heath and Rhino, taking on the major players of Brian Myers and Matt Cardona. Now, on November 10th, Joe Hendry defeated Brian Myers to become the new Impact Digital Media Champion, so they have a little bit of bit of an issue going into this matchup, but I think that they're going to do the best that they can with what they have right now, so I'm looking forward to seeing how this matchup goes, but as far as who's going to win, uh, Heath and Rhino, there's no way that the major players are going to win. So the vacant X Division Championship has been decided in a tournament, and the finals are going to take place on Friday. Black Taurus versus Trey Miguel. This is going to be a tough one because both of these guys are really good. Um, I'm going to go with Black Taurus right now. I just think that maybe there's something more going on, but we'll see. 
And then finally, Frankie Kazarian versus Josh Alexander for the Impact World Championship. In my heart of hearts, I would love to see Kaz hold that championship one more time. Or, you know, for the first time. But um, I just don't know if it's going to happen here. I don't think it's going to happen here, unfortunately. I do think that Josh Alexander is going to win. It's going to be a pretty decisive finish. So, as much as I'd love to see Kazarian win, the dark side forces do not seem to really take too kindly to that. But, see how that goes. All right. So, that has been the review. That has been my predictions for the show. Uh... I'm going to do some quick plugging before we get into the big announcements. So definitely check me out every Tuesday, which I will talk about a TNA show going from chronological 2004 till I can't talk about them anymore, basically. And it's been a lot of fun. It has been absolutely crazy. I do apologize to everybody that has noticed my speech kind of lingers or kind of just go crazy. I'm exhausted, but I'm doing the best that I can to give you guys the best product that I can get. So you want to show some support, feel free to check me out on social media at real F and game, as well as checking out wrestle attic radio. Uh, yeah, no, really do appreciate everything you guys do. Uh, if you like our stuff, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts on Spotify iHeartRadio, and so many other crazy places as well. And be sure to also give us a follow on Twitter as well as on Instagram. Be sure to also enjoy every single bit of Thanksgiving coming up because I know I will because I have a special guest coming onto the show for Bound for Glory. And that guest is going to be none other than Mr. Fretz himself. Pretzelmania is going to be joining me for this deal in which we're going to be talking about how snow sucks, but also wrestling. Am I right? Am I right? Well, we'll see how that goes. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being very helpful. And we're going to get through this. It's going to be awesome. All right. So with that being said, I've been Nate the F and Great. You can check me out on uh, social media at Real F and Game. And, you know, have yourself a good night, good day, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. If this mouse will work for me.